the word that I have in my heart for you is something that I really believe is on the heart is on God's heart for us all. It's challenged me. It has been for a while, and it's my privilege to share it with you this morning. Those of you sitting here in Breakthrough City Church, those listening online, welcome and just let the word hit your heart this morning. I'm going to jump straight in. Uh, it's November already. Can you believe it? The year is just about finished, but it's not finished yet. And we went into 2022 knowing that the Lord had things on his heart for us as a church family, which would affect us individually. Um, and it's on the website, bccbloom.org, if you have no idea where yours is at the moment on your phone or that printout that landed up maybe accidentally in the dustbin or something. It's on our website. But I want to highlight what God intended. There were, there were certain things the Lord said would happen, but this is what his intended result was for us to experience as we would process through the year on the journey. That he would be redeeming. There would be breakthroughs, purity, holiness, cleansing, restoration, a refreshing wind, new strength, New ideas and technology. Not a lot of predictability, but an exhilarating ride. So, I don't know how many of you sitting here feel like, yes, this was my breakthrough year. I feel so refreshed. I feel like I have new strength. Okay, yeah, well, you know what? You know what? Like, I've been walking in faith, like, okay, Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And going on his word and, the, okay, Lord, it's, it's the middle of November. It can still happen, you know. December isn't over yet. Uh, like so, so somewhere in my head it was like, yes, Lord, I'm still trusting you to see these things. But he said, hey, this is what I want you to experience. And it actually reminded me of the words I got for my birthday in January. All the January babies, Nina just left. So, um, no, no, there's one. Wave your hands. Put them up in the air like you definitely care, because <laughs> that's us next, okay, January babies, and this year, um, I got some incredible words, um, many of them from you sitting here, some from my family members, friends that are not in bloom, but I take to heart what you speak into my life, what you hear from the Lord for me, and I put them all together, and I printed them out in two pages, cut them out, and stuck them next to my bed cussy. You know, my little bedside table. Because I knew I have to read these words regularly this year. I just knew I had to. Anyway, so I moved. And they got put in a box. And they got forgotten about. And I blundered and I floundered through the year. And I, like two weeks ago, the Lord reminded me, Hey, Candice, those words are on your phone. You've actually saved them in like picture form on your phone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. But it's, you know, maybe I should read them again. And I want to share a couple of them with you because they're actually quite incredible. Um, there, were, there were words, some were words to me, some were scriptures that I took as like directives or this is what God wants to do, so here we go. Um, increased territory, aligned and fresh wisdom, the word of Christ, Christ dwelling in me, filling me with wisdom. Speak to the clouds of your future and see the rain come. Lose yourself in the deep places reserved for the lovers of God. Clarity over your heart, mind and soul. This year is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd read that a little more often. With his praises on your lips, the fruit will be abundant. Run into his heart and know that he delights to be exalted by you when you do this. Um, I'm, just going to, I'm just scanning through. Arise, shine, for the glory and the brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. Step into impossibility and see possibility. You are seated with him far above any situation that might feel too much for you. 
Relax knowing that he's far more capable than what you think or imagine he is. You are part of God's symphony on earth. Your music is precious to God. He loves to make music with you. So wouldn't you have wanted some words like that, some of you? Those are nice words, Nee. Very nice words. But they're not just nice words. I believe those were like markers the Lord was putting out for me and saying, Hey, Candace, take hold. And about two weeks ago, I just it was just one night. I was just spending some time with the Lord, and I felt, No, go read your birthday words. And as I read them, it just hit me, like in waves. It was like, oh, I can't get emotional now, I have to talk. Um, but it really just kind of ambushed me because I realized God in his kindness and his goodness had prepared me for what my year would look like, which felt like crazy, upside down, roller coastery, all those things. But somehow I hadn't held tightly enough to what he had told me I needed to put my focus on and trust him for. It wasn't like a complete disaster. But I know I went through some ups and some downs and I had some issues I had to work through and I was on a tool hunt. Oh, oh my word, I need tools, I need help. I have to get through this thing, you know. I went through a lot, I think, in myself. I wouldn't have needed to if I had simply read these words and kept them in my heart and said, this is what I will align myself with. And it was actually such a, it was such a precious moment. I think I spent 15 or 20 minutes. It wasn't even a very long time. And I actually felt how God just kind of reset something in me just in that short space of time, as I just read those words and I said, well, you know what, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I believe that you've done more in me even than I realized sitting here in this room tonight when I was reading those words. But I just felt how it came and it just did a reset. And I kind of just thought to myself, it reminded me as well about the your word. And I went to quickly look, okay, but Lord, what did you promise for us? And I thought to myself, well, you know what, if I, if I haven't felt new strength or refreshing, Perhaps I haven't taken a hold of some of those words like I ought to have. So this is not a rap on the knuckles or feel guilty or it's simply realizing that his word is powerful. His presence is powerful. Like literally that 15, 20 minutes with him reading through my birthday words again two weeks ago did more for me than any seeking, pleading, praying. You know, instead of praying, Lord, change this, it was like, yes, Lord, change me. Make me, equal to the, make me equal to the challenge. It was like in moments, I just felt this reset going on in my spirit and this like wound upness, this like corkscrew just being like, and it's not like I haven't enjoyed him and I haven't embraced him and I haven't had wonderful times in his presence and I haven't trusted him for things. But I know there was something very specific about what he gave to me in the beginning of the year that I just didn't quite take hold of. And when I actually just read that and I just yielded my heart in that moment, boom, he just did a reset. That I can feel even now there's this, there's this ease about next year. There's this ease about the future. There's this, yes, Lord, going on inside of me that was like more like, help, Lord, help, Lord. You know, it was more that than yes, Lord, through the year. And I want to talk to you just this morning about his voice and his presence. And the power of that we know, but I want us to just even look through the word and how this has been incredibly powerful for people and that you would trust the Lord, encounter me with your presence, come expecting him to meet you, come expecting the words that he speaks over you or to your heart through the Bible, through people giving you a word, just as you're walking and he, and he starts to speak to you through, I don't know, through nature or as you drive through a neighborhood, as he starts to speak to your heart, that, that you would give like reverence to those words, that you would really take a hold of what he's saying and embrace his presence in that because it's so powerful. And I've titled my message this morning, I Choose You, because it actually boils down to choice. 
He's good. His word is there. It's solid. It's powerful. What am I choosing? Somewhere I just, you know, I had a legitimate excuse. I moved. My stuff was in boxes. <laughs> you know, don't I just love to justify, you know, or, or I think general, I'm generalizing. We tend to justify when we find ourselves in a place we can't explain or understand or get out of. We either blame shift or find someone to blame for it or try and justify it. And we're going to have a look at someone in the Bible that did that. It's going to surprise you maybe, about who it was. <laughs> so, you know what, there are things, before we get into that, you can turn to 1 Kings 19 so long. If you go to Bibles or you're scrolling, 1 Kings 19. There are things that the Lord's called me to. There are things that the Lord has called you to. There are things the Lord's called us to as a house, as a spiritual family. And if we get caught up in what's going on in this world here, we're going to lose sight of what he wants to do out there. And it doesn't make your and my life unimportant. It doesn't make what we're going through just silly and nonsensical. No, the Lord uses those very things to prepare us for what he's planned for us. But it's very, very important to remember that um, we, we can't get stuck there. All right. Whenever we're hitting a glitch or a, a thing, we need to get into his presence and get like reset, renewed for the things that he wants us to continue to walk into. All right. Sorry, I'm just, there was something I wanted to say, and I just don't know, was it here? I've lost my place. Okay. All right, no, it's not here. Okay. Um, let me just say this, that my choice to get a breakthrough is somebody else's breakthrough sitting here. My speaking this morning and testifying to you out of my life, I know is falling in some people's hearts this morning. And the same is true of you. We're a family sitting here. And if you are going to hold on to your stuff and not get it dealt with and sorted, then you're actually robbing somebody else of a breakthrough and a blessing sitting here this morning because this is God's intention. This is kingdom. It's covenant. It's relationship. And remember, any relationship or from any relationship will come a fruitfulness. Okay? And then a multiplication. Genesis 1 the Lord said, go into the earth, multiply, be fruitful, subdue, rule, all right? And that command hasn't changed. That commission hasn't changed. Today, sitting here, there's a thing about becoming intimate with him, yes, but also with one another in our covenant relationships so that a fruitfulness will come, an expansion will come. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're sort of feeling like, I don't want to build with anybody or, Lord, I don't want to expand your kingdom. I'm going through too much right now then it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you need to get to his presence and experience a reset. Let God just come and do what he needs to do inside of your life because we have been designed for covenant and for relationship and for fruitfulness and expansion. So if these are not things that are vibrant in my heart, then I've got to say, all right, Lord, I need a reset somewhere. And I really just experienced the Lord wants to take us into something amazing next year. And we need to make sure that we sort our stuff out. So we'll be going there together. Okay, so the Lord's been working on me and my stuff. And I'm inviting you into my journey. And let's look at the life of Elijah, 1 Kings 19. Just to recap quickly, 1 Kings 18 is where Elijah goes and he takes out all of the Baal priests. All right, that Jezebel had raised up. And he just deals with the whole lot. And then at the start of 1 Kings 19, here's Jezebel. She's heard about it. She's mad. 
She's really angry. She's furious, and she sends a message to Elijah. I don't know if you've ever seen Puss in Boots, but it's like, okay, that was the gist of it, okay? Like, you are dead meat. By this time tomorrow, I will do to you what you've done to my Baal prophets. That's right at the start of 1 Kings 19. And it's interesting because in verse 3 in the New King James, it reads that Elijah saw that. So the messenger came and he heard what Jezebel, or the message Jezebel wanted passed on. He heard what Jezebel intended for him. But he saw. So he actually visualized his death, his demise. Oh my word. And something grabbed a hold of his soul and he ran for his life. He's just taken out an entire company of, of vile, godless priests and through the word of one woman, he, he takes a hold of something that came at him. I mean, he didn't go looking for it. He was honoring the Lord. And here comes his backlash and it hits his soul. And the Bible says he saw that and he started to run for his life. And then we know the story how it goes on that he, um, he collapses under a broom tree in the desert eventually. And how the Lord um, sends angels to him. Um, but let's just back, back up to verse 5. He's saying, enough, Lord, no, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. He starts to doubt his calling. He starts to doubt his worth. He starts to think, but oh my word, I'm going to die. He starts to think, but God, God can't save me. I don't think he consciously thought that, but his behavior is, is describing this. His behavior is showing this, right? He kind of says, I resign. Lord, I'm done. It's no more, no more. And the Lord in his goodness and kindness knows this guy maybe just needs to sleep and he needs some food. So he sends him an angel. The angel feeds him. He rests. He wakes up. An angel comes again and feeds him. And then the Bible says he ran for 40 days and 40 nights on that food to Mount Horeb. And um, it just reminds me just as I'm speaking here now where Jesus speaks to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he says, I've got food you don't know about. And there's something of a refreshing and a reset in his presence that in a moment can give us the energy and the capacity and the excitement to do what he's called us to do in that moment. Anyway, so he runs to Mount Horeb and just, just as a note or just a, a cool mental note, um, that's where God covenants with his people. That's the, the mountain that Moses carved the tablets out of that they wrote the Ten Commandments on, that he wrote the Ten Commandments on. And that's also later the place where he goes and he strikes the rock and water comes out of it. All right, so this is a very significant place in, in the history. And it's as if Elijah knows, so, like, I have to go there. Things happened with the Lord there. Some, something inside of him knows Mount Horeb and he runs there. And then verse 9 says, this is 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? So he gets so consumed by fear, he goes and he hides. He's not thinking clearly. Um, he responds to the Lord in verse 10 and says, but Lord, I've been zealous for you, but your people, your people, they've forsaken you and now they want to kill me. You know, the people that you've, that you've brought out have, have turned and they've, they've become wicked and now they seek my life. And I think he, you know, was justified maybe in saying that. I mean, it, it wasn't untrue what he was saying. 
But he was living from a place in the natural. He had taken a hold of something that had influenced his soul. And now he's speaking out of his soul. And he says, Lord, I'm the only man left. I'm the only one left. It's not true. I mean, I think if he could read his story, he would have gone, okay, you know, the script gets better. You know, pull yourself together. <laughs> but he didn't have the Bible back then, right? So he doesn't know what's going to happen. And here he goes inward. He's on this inward spiral. He's blame shifting. He's justifying his situation. And I mean, if you sort of look at what the guy's just been through, he got a death threat. It is pretty intense. I'm not playing that down. That was a pretty intense thing. And I think life happens. Sometimes things happen to us and it takes hold of us in our soul in a way that kind of shakes us. And here he is, he's hiding. And um, between his blame shifting and his justifying or diverting attention somewhere else, <laughs> God says to him in verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. God's telling him, Elijah, he asks him, what are you doing here? Meaning not here in this geographical area, like what are you doing in this cave? Is what God's asking him. And then God calls him out. He hears all his excuses and he says, Elijah, come out of the cave and go and stand on the mountain before me. That's what he's asking him to do. Hey, come and meet me. Come and talk to me. He's telling him, come out of the cave. Okay? He won't speak to him there where he is on that level. He's like, you know what? He's not, he's not judging him. He's calling him out of what he's not. He's like, hey, you're not that guy. You're my champion. Come on, Elijah, come. Come and, come and find from me what you're needing right now. And verse 12 goes on to tell us about the strong wind, the earthquake and the fire that happened. We know the story fairly well, but God's not in those things. And then there's the still small voice, and Elijah hears it, the Bible says. And then he responds, but he doesn't obey. All right, this is interesting to note. Elijah, in verse 13, he wraps his face in his mantle. He's got his cloak around him, and he wraps his face in his mantle, and he goes and stands at the entrance of the cave. God said, come out. And he goes to the entrance. He's sort of between the two now. He's between his, his chaos and God's reset. And he's not hiding in the cave, but he comes with his face covered. And there, there might be some theological reasons where you could understand that. Or, but he doesn't come out of the cave. He stands at the entrance. And God says to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And sadly, in verse 14, he gives the same answer. Oh, Lord, <laughs> um, I've served you faithfully, but your people have gone astray. He's, he's on the same tune. He has an opportunity to connect with the Lord. What did the Lord want him to do? God wanted Elijah to see him. Why? Because he had seen how Jezebel was going to kill him. And it hooked into his soul, and he needed to see God so that that thing could break in his life. He needed that encounter, but he's, he's wrapped in a mantle. He, he makes a choice there to stay in his fear, to stay in his, his, that, that space. And he doesn't obey. 
And he just gives the Lord exactly the same answer as he did before. And this is where he missed it, and it costs him. God doesn't write him off. I mean, he had one of the most incredible exits. He was the guy that was taken up in a whirlwind. All right, we read that a little later on. I think it's 2 Kings. 2 Kings 2, we read how he's taken up in a whirlwind. So he's not disregarded. But you'll see God's reply to him that second time when he's standing at the entrance of the cave and God says, what are you doing here? And he starts to give the same answer and he continues to hide. God says, okay. God realizes, all right, he's made a choice. He's done. He's, he's choosing to stay here. And then he says, okay, but Elijah, I need you to do some things for me still. And he says, anoint Elisha. There's a couple of things he gets tasked to do. And so he does. He anoints Elisha. And interesting to note, it's under Elisha or Elisha's kind of reign or space and time where he's been anointed and he steps into that, that Ahab and Jezebel are taken care of. So God had a plan. God had a plan. And somewhere he lost sight of it. Okay? Amazing man of God. And we learn so much from his life. But he comes to a point where he makes a choice not to actually come close to God and see him. And I wonder, not saying it is, but I wonder if he didn't maybe go out of the cave, as God said, come out the cave, that maybe something of that wind and that fire and that earthquake could have shaken off and out of him what was hanging onto him and inside of him. It just it kind of reminded me of there's this refreshing wind. And what does wind do? Wind disturbs the peace a little bit. It messes up your hair and it blows your nicely stacked piece of papers, whatever. But it also blows away the dust. And sometimes the inconvenience of the wind and the, the fire is just, you know, and I sort of, I saw myself a little bit there in the year, how the Lord had said to me, hey, Candace, this is what I want you to run to me. And I want you to rise and shine. And I want you to, and the Lord had given me some directives. And I know I went and I hid in the year. In a martyr, I went and found myself a little cave for quite a while. And it just it spoke to my own life. But there came a point where God spoke to my heart. And I, and I said, yes, Lord. Yes, I'll, I'll put that behind me. It's your word and I'm going to run with it. How are we doing for time? Yeah, so God tells Elijah to anoint Elisha. He corrects his perception and says, hey, dude, I've got 7,000 just like you. Okay. So that's why it's important to come and get your perspective renewed in his presence. Because sometimes when we get taken hold of in our soul, and that could be something really dramatic that's happened, something really traumatic. I mean, life happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, and we must just be all, you know. Maybe something in life's really happened and is really just, you know. It could just be the mundane that's worn you down. It could be a string of disappointments and you're kind of just like, a little bit numb inside. And maybe it's none of those things, but you're sitting here and you're realizing, wow, but you know what? This, this, this thing that God's called me to, this life he's called me to lead, this person he's called me to be, there's not, there's not so much excitement there. It's, it's, it's just not there. And maybe it's just a case of having him come and just blow on those embers and reignite that fire. But I believe the Lord's speaking to our hearts this morning. All right, he wants to free us from ourselves. We sang that song, and he wants us to see him. He wants us to see him. Okay. I just want to remind you this morning, we, we've, we've read Elijah's story and what, what not to do, ideally. <laughs> All right, we don't judge the guy, but we understand that we have the power of choice in our hands when he calls us. 
All right, we can choose to live who he's called us to be. Let me quickly remind you who that is. I'm going to just touch quickly on some scriptures to get through my, my notes. So you don't have to turn there, but Psalm 24, verse 7 to 8 says, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Now just think about lifting up your head. You can actually see when you do that. They say, like, if you're learning to ride a bicycle, Kids that have learned or parents teaching children, you don't teach the kid always to, they mustn't look at the road in front of them. You look ahead and that's how you keep your balance as you look in front of you. I mean, that's how we drive a car, right? We don't look at the steering wheel. It's not going to get you very far, <laughs> okay? So lift up your heads and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So when I look up, it invites the Lord who is the victor in the battle into my battle. Who will come in? The Lord mighty in battle. I don't have to fight this thing by myself. I might be going through hell right now, but I don't have to fight this battle by myself. Okay. Genesis 28 11 tells us that we're the gate of heaven. Okay. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that we're the house of God. These are things true of you and of me. This is who we are. And if we've forgotten, we might need a reminder. Maybe it's as simple as just remembering, you know what? I don't, have to, I don't have to live with how I'm feeling and what I'm processing through right now. This is not my, not my home. It's, I'm passing through. Okay? I don't have to set up campsite here. Okay? Because when I experience the victory, when I invite the victor in the battle into my battle, I get a victory and I become a victory. And this is important why. We were talking about it a little bit earlier, about how our lives impact one another. And um, let me remind you now of Peter, different story, different, different man, another powerful man of God. Matthew 14, um, Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples, and they're like, oh, is he a ghost? And Peter shouts out, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Now imagine if it, if it was a ghost, né? and the ghost says, Come. <laughs> No, Peter knew it was Jesus. It's okay. Peter knew it was Jesus. And so Peter steps onto the water and he looks at Jesus. He sees Jesus. He is seeing Jesus. And what happens is the Bible says he becomes aware of the waves around him. And then he starts to look at the waves and that's when he starts to sink. And then he's like, Jesus, help me, help me. I'm sinking. Um, and Jesus doesn't say, what are you sinking about? <laughs> no, Jesus knows what he's talking about. And he extends a hand. <laughs> yeah, well, Daniel, if you're listening, that one was for you. Okay. So Jesus extends a hand. And then obviously to, to, to take Jesus' hand, I think Peter must have looked up and seen Jesus. And Jesus is like, dude, why did you let doubt win? Like, come on. This is me here. Come on. Yeah, the waves are big, but hey, who's, who's here in the waves with you? It's me. And Peter's like, you know, he gets restored there. They climb in the boat. And so interesting. Um, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and falls. And we know in Peter as well, he gives this amazing message. 3,000 get saved. But what him and John also do is they go to um, the temple. And it's there at the gate, beautiful, in Acts 3. And there's a beggar there. And the beggar's saying, oh, please, if you've got some, you know, haven't you got something for me, lame man? And what does Jesus, uh, what does Peter say to the beggar? He says, look at me. So the very gate of heaven that Jesus was to Peter on the water, Peter becomes to the beggar 
or, or the lame man rather. He was begging, but he was lame. That was the actual issue, the lame man. And Peter becomes the gate of heaven to the lame man, and he says, look at me. All right, Peter was taking notes. Look at me. I don't have what you're asking for, but I've got something better. I've got Jesus. And you know what? The Lord wants us to walk in a place where we thrive. And I would say to you even that a lot of what we've been through in this year, you know, the Lord's spoken to me the last six months, hey, Candice, time of healing. And it's felt like every, I don't know, every inconsistency in my heart, every issue, every, like lots has come up, you know, and I'm like, it hasn't felt like healing. But what has the Lord been doing? Just exposing my heart of the things that don't belong there. And that is healing. So maybe the rough year you've experienced is actually freeing you from the things that are actually going to refresh you for what he has ahead and prepare you for what he has ahead. And maybe if you haven't yet, there's still an opportunity to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to encounter you. I'm going to take hold of you and I want to see you. Because that's in your presence when your word is speaking to me and coming to me. That's where I get my reset. That's where I get courage again. That's where my, my misperceptions become healed. Maybe about who you are, about a situation I'm in. Maybe about why did that thing happen? Um, yeah, the Lord's really just spoken to me a lot about not despising the journey. And I don't think any of us like consciously go like, eh. <laughs> But you know what, in, in my fight, in my questioning, sometimes there's this like, why this, why this root, Lord? Why did that happen? Lord, I don't want to do that today. I'm not really interested. <laughs> I need to just cope with what I'm doing. You know, like it, it, it takes on a different form. You know, Lord, it's too hard to thrive. <laughs> no, we've all maybe felt that and we have those days. And you know what, that doesn't write us off, but don't camp there. If you figure out I'm in a cave, whoa, just nudge your neighbor and say, get out the cave. Go and tell them, get out the cave, get out the cave. If you're in a cave, get out the cave, man. Come on, don't, don't camp there. That was God's first word to Elijah. What are you doing here? Come out, champ. All right, we have a choice. It's so, so powerful, but we have to choose. All right, we either choose to stay where we are or we choose to come out and have him touch our lives. And... Um, yeah, I just really sense, I want to just give us a little bit of an opportunity to, to respond this morning. But before I do, I just want to touch on a couple of declarations. I feel like we need to end off with this. Um, it's living from the unseen, declarations from Igniting Hope. Stephen, Wendy, a lot of you will be familiar with their ministry. And um, I've taken these from the living from the unseen declarations. And won't you just say this after me this morning that you are reminded when he calls you and he says, come out or come meet me or hey, this is me speaking to you. Take hold of that word that you remember who you are, that you have the courage to step out and not hide your face and not stand. You know, James says that, that he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Don't expect to get anything because you're just nowhere. Maybe you're in the entrance of the cave and you just, you know, you need to make you know, you need to lean in and actually just stand vulnerably before the Lord. And maybe you're afraid to do that. May this give you courage to remember who you are, what Jesus died and paid for, and who he is in you. Here we go. The supernatural is not something that happens to me. It's who I am.
God and His realm have greater weight than my circumstances for this natural realm. Holy Spirit is communicating with my spirit and I easily hear Him. I can do what my Father does because I have His DNA. All right, and there's these amazing, amazing declarations, and this is really powerful, I think especially when you're going through a time where you're struggling or doubting or, or, or you just, you're feeling very vulnerable or you've been through something rough. You remind yourself who you are. You know, Jesus says to Peter, why did you let doubt win? You took your eyes off of me and you could no longer see me, and there it went. Okay, but this morning he's saying, come out of the cave, engage with me, see me, and watch what I do. Look how I reset in a moment what you thought might never happen. Okay. I think Annie was, um, part of the word she was giving a little bit earlier is like, nothing, nothing is too difficult for the Lord to, to build back, to repair, to restore, to renew, to refresh, to enlarge. And so let's just really put our hearts there this morning. So, um, I just want to give a couple of, couple of responses that, um, that maybe you're saying, okay, yes, this is me this morning. I really feel that it's important that we do something with what we've been challenged with sitting here today. And maybe it's in your private time with him. Maybe it's something we can pray with you this morning. We will stop the live feed before we get there. But let me just leave this with you as we close. That maybe you need to lay down a fight that you've had with the Lord this tug of war. Maybe it's not something big and major, but maybe there's just an issue that you've been fighting with the Lord and saying, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, no, not that area, not that thing. No, I won't go and speak to that person. I don't see chance for reconciliation, whatever it might be. Okay, lay down a fight. Maybe you need to repent this morning for despising part of your journey. Lord, why is it like this? Why am I like that? Why isn't it like this? Why do I have to? How come... And that if there's been anything in your heart where you've despised the journey, that you just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. This has been part of what actually you meant to strengthen and refresh me. I might not understand it. I lay it down. Okay? Maybe you just need this morning to actually just experience him and see him fully. Maybe you've seen something in your mind or experienced something that's really just taken you out, taken you down. And you need to see and encounter him this morning. Maybe you just need to ask him, God, reignite my love. This thing that I heard about, about expanding and fruitfulness, it, it just, it's not in my bones yet. Perhaps it should be and it's not. And just pray that prayer, Lord, reignite your fire in my heart for who it is I'm called to be and what it is I'm called to do because my victory is my neighbor's victory and we're going together. So perhaps if there are any of these things that are speaking to your heart, we're going to just create some space um, for you just to come forward and say, hey, pray with me. So, fire team, um, if you need prayer this morning, if someone else comes up, hey, pray for them, but then turn yourself around and stand in the queue. If this is something you know you and the Lord are going to sort out privately, hey, that's awesome, but I really just felt we needed to create opportunity for if you want to respond and say, hey, I need you to trust with me. This is something difficult on my own, or you know what, just stand with me. 
pray for me this morning, pray with me, then we're going to just give an opportunity for you guys to do that. So thank you for joining us online and bless you guys. Have an amazing week and be expectant for what God wants to do in you and through you and us in 2023. God bless.